Hello, 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 hello. And thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your wonderful, magnificent, fabulous co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your other co-host, Cam. And you know, it feels wrong, like, it feels wrong, given the movie that we are reviewing today, that this episode should start off with our music. It feels like it should start off with Kenny Loggins, you know? Highway to the danger zone. That's like, that's that's coursing through my veins right now because of that. And I really wish that we could do that. But because the law and copyrights and all those annoying things. Yes. We can't do it. But you know what? Whatever. It's their loss. It's the world's loss, really. I guess we should have written a parody for Danger Zone, but is that even possible? No, it's too good. I think that if you write a song that is so, like, if, if it is, like, such a banger that everybody loves it, you should automatically lose copyrights, and it just belongs to the people. Like, it just belongs to the community Ooh. now. It's just, like, you get, like, I don't know. We all have to pitch in like go fund me something so that he gets compensated but then now it's like it, it belongs it's public domain yeah it passes the whatever the the length of time which is at least 100 years for public i think it's domain. 100 100 years yeah and then it just automatically just goes nope it's too good it's everyone's congratulations that'd be great i think there i don't even yeah it doesn't have to be 100 years it can be it, it could be immediate like just a it's a banger it's a certified banger yeah. 100 out of 100 everybody owns it now Sorry. We should start a petition to get that into law that requires a petition to bypass public domain. Yes. So let's get that signature. And the lesson started. the lesson there would be if you want to own your own intellectual property, just don't write something that's incredible. Like right. just tone it back a little bit because But we, then someone something would backfire and you write a terrible <laughs> song. People hate it so much that they want that to be voted yes. in. Yeah. That's true. Uh, I'm just saying these. These are. I'm just spitballing here, but it just really feels like a shame that we couldn't start the episode that way. Um, but I digress. If you hadn't guessed, the film we're reviewing this week is Top Gun Maverick, um, the sequel. I've, I've heard people calling it a reboot. Heard people saying reboot. Top Top no. Gun. It's, no, this is a sequel. This is what people are starting to refer to as a legacy sequel, meaning that it is a sequel to a film that was released like. 20 or more years ago. In this case, it's what, 36 years? That's right. Um, since the release of the original Top Gun, which makes it one of the longest gaps in between original and sequel. I'm sure Candyman has to be in there somewhere. Well, Candyman, I guess, is a reboot. But it's hard to that say. Would be, it's, it, that walks the line. It does because the they have they have Tony Todd and they make references to the original Candyman, but yet it's called Candyman. I don't know. Uh, that's yeah. There's some tricky ones in there. Tron Legacy which, by the way, was also directed by Joseph Kosinski, who directed this film. Um, Which also is incredible. Like, let's just lay that out there, guys. It's actually really good. Olivia Wilde is in Jeff Bridges. It's, reprises it's underrated. I think it was. I think it was ahead of its time. It came out at a, It was like 2009 or something. There were a bunch yeah. of other things that came out that year. The Daft Punk soundtrack. Oh my oh gosh. My gosh. Um, yeah, underrated. But yeah, also directed by Joseph Kosinski. So he's directed two films. That were legacy sequels. Tron Legacy was actually called Tron Legacy, which is funny. Um, but yeah, so this this is something that doesn't happen that often. I think Creed is probably the other example that people will point to. Also a great movie. Um, also directed by. <laughs> <laughs> also directed by Joseph Cassin. No, just kidding. Uh, he's only directed like eight or nine things total. And that's like including shorts and music videos and stuff like that. Um, but he's got another film coming out this year called Spiderhead with Chris Hemsworth. It's releasing right. on, uh, and I think Miles Teller, Miles Teller is also in that film. Uh, it's releasing on Netflix. So if you enjoyed this movie, we'll tell you if we enjoyed this movie. And uh, if you did, we can look forward to that film as well. But we're reviewing Top Gun Maverick, as I said, starring, of course, the incomparable uh, Tom Cruise as reprising his role as Maverick, uh, Pete Mitchell. And... He is one of only two actors reprising their role in this film, the other being Val Kilmer, which was really cool. Um, but 
without further ado, let's get into it here, Kirk. I I feel like we're going to have a lot to talk about, so I'm excited, but also I'm anxious. I'm anxious to to hear your thoughts. We saw it together. I should say that, first of all. We saw it together, which we don't always do. And I feel like the volume in our theater was too low. It was definitely too low for the trailers, and I said something to you about it, and we were kind of talking. We were like, listen, if it doesn't get louder, we're going to tell somebody because this is a is a movie about uh, fighter jets, so <laughs> sound it becomes very important, and it like enhances the experience. Yeah. But even even though the volume went up, I still didn't feel like we got the full thump. I still felt like they were holding back a little bit. Yeah. We, we did. Sound is critical in any film, but especially a movie like this. And you have, at the beginning of the film, they're doing the things that they're always doing now, where one of the lead actors, in this case, it was Tom Cruise, thanks you as, as the audience for coming out and seeing the movie in theaters. Um, I still do not care either way that they do that, but it's it's whatever. And that volume was spiked. And I was like, great. They we're fixed good. it. We're good. And we were duped. We were absolutely it was a tra- duped. Yeah, it was a trap. They got us. Anyway. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about if the sound factored into it, whatever. We're going to get into all the details. But first, we're going to start with a brief synopsis of this movie because you might be thinking 36 years later, what could the plot possibly be? Tom Cruise being the only returning cast member along with Val Kilmer. What, what could they possibly be diving into here? Well, I'm going to tell you. And as a reminder, our, our reviews um, are spoilerful unless otherwise stated. So there will be spoilers in here. So if you are afraid of spoilers, you can... Go see the movie first and then come back and listen. But if you're not, let's dive into it. So Top Gun Maverick, uh, like I said, the sequel to the original film, Top Gun 1986, directed by Tony Scott. Um, The plot here being that Pete Mitchell is still a member of the Navy uh, as a pilot. He's still one of the top pilots in the entire Navy, and he's working on a flight program that is very close to being defunded in favor of an unmanned uh, drone-led program. And so he's feeling like the art of the fighter pilot is uh, is dying. But he gets a call from Top Gun to the, you know, the school of the elite fighter pilots to get called in and actually train a class of the most highly touted Top Gun graduates, recent graduates, to lead a manned mission that is one of the most dangerous ever and they want him to do it because, first of all, the mission can only be done by real people because of the intensity of it, the, the parameters of the mission, and also because he is, like in the previous movie, he is uh, a pilot who pushes the limits and who can do the impossible. He doesn't play by the rules. He's kind of a, a bad boy. He's going to push the envelope. And so they think he's the perfect guy for the job. It's actually Val Kilmer's character, Iceman, who is now a commander, and the leader of the program uh, who calls him in specifically to do this. So he gets in there and he has to train this team to carry out a mission, but they're, they're doing things that are like totally not by the book, like bring in the hard, um, what do they call that? The hard, well, wait, what is it? Kirk, I'm losing the my hard words. deck, the hard deck, bringing the hard deck below 5,000, weaving in and out of, of canyons, you know, pulling 10, 10 G's coming out of a, uh, out of a pit, uh, so that they can do this mission, but his real focus is to get everybody out alive, which is something that the orig- the people who have set up the mission um, weren't really considering, and so he is working hard at it. Uh, there's tons of other factors that come into play. There's the fact that his former co-pilot, um, not his wingman, what, what do they call the people that sit in the back of the plane? I always forget oh, the term. It's, they it's use. something like, a, like an engineer. Um... Yeah, yeah, but basically Anthony Edwards' character goose um, yes his son is played by miles teller it goes by the call sign rooster and so there is this tension with that um the fact that there is they they reveal what the tension is later on in the film um there's the fact that you know he doesn't feel like he's an instructor he doesn't feel like he can lose people he wants to be in the po- driver's seat there's so many different things factoring into it but that is the basic premise of top gun maverick and i didn't realize until i started talking about it that there is so much there. <laughs> There's so much going on, but it all, it all um, meshes together into a pretty good story. Yeah, that's right. You're like thinking, well, this is like a fun airplane movie. No, it's much more. It's much more, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. 
Yeah, I think this movie more so than more so than the original. Yes, is a action movie. You know, I really, I really feel like it's more of like an action. I don't, I, I don't want to say war film because it really, it doesn't follow the formula of a war film per se, but definitely leans heavier on the action movie side of things. Whereas Top Gun, the original, had some big fighter jet sequences, but was ultimately like just a very. <laughs> it's so hard to categorize because it's just like such a quintessential like eighties vanity movie, <laughs> like a synth yes. rock. What a vanity eighties vanity movie. Like yes. that is really what it was. It, it was a little bit of romance, a little bit of action. Um, but ultimately it's just kind of its own thing. Whereas this one seems to fall more in line with like your typical action film. Yeah. In the first one you had the, the main goal, I think the super objective was to find the humility in Tom Cruise's character to be like, I'm the best. I'm really great. I can do anything. Let's go. I am a cowboy. And then it's like, no, like there's a lot more, responsibility here and he understands the responsibility in this one and then you just throw everything else that he is he's still like he's still picking up for his past mistakes which is really cool to see how that plays out but on top of that absolutely there's so much high octane action in this that was that came out of left field honestly that was like a rush to the to the to the feet and to the stomach and to the head i felt my hair blowing back in the film it was crazy yeah definitely Um, so let's get into it. Let's start with our acting performances. As we always do, our first category is going to be called and the Oscar goes to, which goes to the best actor in the film. For me, this one's a no doubter. It's Tom Cruise. It's Tom Cruise. And they say that, uh, Kirk, I know that you reference this a lot. They say that the age of the movie star is over. I say as long as Tom Cruise can get in front of a camera, (laughs) it is not over because the thing about this performance is it is the purest example of a pure movie star Hollywood mo- you know movie star energy that I have seen and I don't even know how long I mean just totally commanding the role commanding everything and just exuding this otherworldly caliber of character and charisma and all of these things that have come to be associated with Tom Cruise and he really does it in all of his recent films, it has been there. I think of the Mission Impossible films. It's like you watch it and you're like, it's kind of like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to go too crazy and hyperbolic, but it's like watching Michael Jordan play basketball. Like you watch it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is greatness. You know, this is this is a star or LeBron James or whatever. Um, that That is the feeling you get with Tom Cruise. And I know that uh, there are... I always have to preface it with like, yeah, he's, he's really tied into Scientology and things like that, but let's separate the actor from the person. Uh, we were having a conversation about that at the trivia night. This is one of those guys where you do that because the actor and what the actor represents is so important to film. And so next level, he's just, he's the last of a dying breed of movie stars, I guess. And his ability to step right back into this role of Pete Mitchell and yet, bring it into the modern age was so impressive. Um, He had really good awareness at every stage of the film as to what his emotional journey was, because there was an extensive one that he had to go on. Um, In this movie, one of the biggest problems I've always had with the original Top Gun is how he deals with the death of Goose. I find it absolutely ridiculous. And I think it was just in a different age where like masculinity meant to not really show emotion but I always find that like first scene in the bathroom with Viper after Goose dies where he's like (laughs) Viper's like Goose is dead and he's like I know and he's like how are you and he's like I'm okay I I just like (laughs) I hate that scene so much because I'm like your best friend who you clearly were really close to died in your arms when you when the plane that you were flying crashed like that is a horrifically tragic and traumatic event i want to see the full emotional journey not just like oh i crashed my plane my friend died now i have the yips and i can't fly anymore and this movie goes so much farther into it it's so clear um the the ferocity and the intensity with which he protects his students from making these mistakes and the way that he wants to protect rooster because he feels like it's his goal um and his duty 
to make sure that he does not die in some sort of horrible plane crash or flying accident it is such a heartfelt touch to the character. And this performance goes well beyond that, but that's just one of the good examples of how he really takes this character on an emotional journey that we didn't get in the first film that we needed. And he gets the chance to fulfill it here. Uh, really excellent stuff from Tom Cruise. Indeed. Indeed. Let's keep the love train going for Tom Cruise. That's my pick. And the Oscar goes to Mr. Thomas Cruise. I mean, your boy, he, he doesn't play when he's on screen. He doesn't play when he's on set. And we know all those stories as well. Like you said, he's one of the last movie giants keeping cinema rolling. Like when we talked about the, the lost city, our last review, we talked about, we had, uh, one of our former movie giants, right? Sandra Bullock. And she should have been playing her up her big, her biggest place here. And ultimately the writing fell short and she fell a little short. Tom Cruise has yet to be from memory on any kind of stream, a movie that went straight to streaming or streaming anytime recently soon um, or on, on a streaming TV show or anything since the, since very long, long time ago, or maybe he was on a TV sitcom briefly, but your boy is one of the last movie giants. There are about four to five critical scenes that you see him slay on screen. The first one, and these are out of order, the first one that comes to mind is when he is with Val Kilmer. Val Kilmer, of course, is um, in real life battling throat cancer, which I forgot when I saw this film. And I was like, wait a second, that's a little different. Why would they do that? And then it jogged my memory when I went back and checked his status. The fact that your man is battling throat cancer and Val Kilmer and came to do this movie and they reworked it so that it fit perfectly in with the storyline. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. That scene where basically Val's just listening and Tom is just pouring out his heart. And as he's speaking, he realizes his truth and what he needs to do next and what he's holding on to and what he really needs to let go of. The other uh, three, four, three or four scenes we've got, every scene that he is with Miles Teller, there are three critical scenes the first time that they are are together is pretty big. Uh, the second time is when they crash land after the big shebang, the successful explosion and takedown of of all of the plutonium or uranium, whichever it was. Uh, and they're in that forest and they're kind of like punching each other like, why did you save me? I saved you. And it's comical. And then there's this huge release as a life-altering moment of, I'm going to save your life. No, I'm going to save your life. And this realization of whatever kind of tension we have doesn't matter because the ultimate realization is that they care deeply for each other's safety and deeply for the other person, no matter what the history was there. They've overcome it by this point. And then the third one is the very end where uh, where your boy Miles Teller says, uh, it's what my father would have done. And the way that Tom Cruise hugs him, holy cow, like the rush of emotion you get. And the last one, and this might be the biggest one, the last scene that are, are the biggest hits for Tom in this movie. I call him Tom because he's him and I are on a first name basis. Right. Yeah, no, I got that. And uh, it's when he gets called up and he's basically being interrogated before he are, he officially gets the role as the instructor uh, for, to, to lead the team, to teach this new recruit team. And there's this youthfulness just washes over his face when he's asked to come back to Top Gun. And of course, he thinks he's going to be team leader immediately in that moment, in that request. It's not the case, but the joy, the opportunity to redeem his past, all of that comes rushing into his face. I think we see it change colors. Like It's an incredible small moment, but it is so monumental in the arc of his, of his story in this film. And Tom, you nailed it as you always do. Bravo. Yeah. I think what they did with this character too, like, like Tom, Tom Cruise's performance of course elevates everything, but also the way that they wrote the character in this movie just fixes so many of the flaws that he had in the first movie because yeah. it just adds so much dimension and they, they go back and they do this sort of like revisionist history kind of thing w- without actually tweaking anything. They don't retcon anything. They just change the context of the way that he feels about things now that he's more mature and he's not just like the hot shot fighter pilot, no regrets, all gas, no brakes kind of guy, because that really is a one dimensional character. And this one is so layered and so multidimensional and 
you need an actor like Tom Cruise who understands how to deliver that kind of stuff. I mean, he's still at the top of his game as far as I'm concerned. 58 years old, absolutely crushing it. Um, so it just, it all gelled so well. It was just like the perfect, perfect combination, honestly. It was the perfect timing for this. Indeed. All right, moving along to Scene Stealer. Uh, this is the the under the radar or or not the top build, you know, the, the unsung hero of the film. Who's it going to be? And oh my gosh, Kirk, I thought about cheating on this one. So often at one, at one point today, I honestly said, as I was writing my notes, cause I had about four or five candidates to be honest with you. And I was like, what if I just said all of the top gun students, <laughs> what if I you? said everyone in the class, <laughs> I was like, I think I could make a compelling argument for that because they were all so great. Um, but I have finally settled on one, uh, who I think was better than the rest. And that person is Glenn Powell. Glenn Powell, who plays Hangman. And the the main reason I'm going with this is because you're not supposed to say is because, are you? You're just supposed to say is. I think that's actually <laughs> the <know>. best grammar. <laughs> I have no idea. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've taken a writing class. But Glenn Powell was in a role that allowed him. I don't want to just say that it was a perfect fit because I don't want to make it sound like he was typecast in the role in a way you could argue that, but this role allowed him the freedom to unlock things in his acting repertoire that I don't think he's been able to tap into in previous roles because he was, he was so in line with this character and understood what this character could be at such a high level. And actually, if you, if you read about the production of this movie, they wrote the character around him. So in a way he wasn't typecast, but the, but the role did kind of turn into him throughout the writing process because they were so impressed with what he was able to do during auditions. Um, He was actually considered for the role of rooster originally alongside miles Teller. And they said, Hey man, we think you could do this role and we're going to work together to kind of make it its own thing. But I think, because they went through that process, um, it gave him the confidence to unleash things in his acting repertoire that he has not been able to tap into and absolutely was a game changer for him. I feel like this is a career-defining performance for Glenn Powell. I feel like this unlocks all sorts of possibilities for him because even if it's not the sort of villain ish role you know he he basically is the ice man of this film right like he starts off as sort of the villain character he's a host unto himself he only wants to win you know he abandons his wingman uh or wingman or woman uh that's why he's called the hangman all this stuff but then he turns into the the adversary or not the adversary the the advocate the friend the the, the comrade by the end of the movie but even if it's not roles like that there is an energy that he can exude that will apply to so many different roles that I think is so impressive. It's, it's something that's very unique to him. The scene that jumps out for me for him is when um, he's kind of getting after he's, he's figured out that Pete Mitchell, Tom Cruise and rooster's dad goose were together in the program and that, you know, the whole history that goes on with there. And he starts in the middle of class, just kind of poking at that scene because he realizes that rooster is a threat to be team leader. And he wants that role. And the way that he delivers all of those lines and the way that he expresses himself during that scene, all the way up to when miles Teller finally snaps and comes after him. And the way that he just kind of like antagonizes him and jeers him is just pitch perfect all the way through. Never feels campy or corny always feels expertly performed and it feels real and genuine. Um, like the, the animosity is, is so real and you get super mad at him yourself while you're watching the movie, which is like a plus great job, Glenn Powell, but he does so many other things in this movie. I really feel like this is the defining moment for him. He's, he's kind of been kind of, he's been around for a little while bouncing back and forth. He's had a couple of roles that you're like, ah, you know, I can see why he had this role, but it wasn't the best movie. This is the one. This is the one that takes him to the next level. Glenn Powell. Beautiful choice. This was such a difficult category. Such a difficult category. I almost went with Glenn Powell myself, but then someone inched above that. 
And that answer is Mr. Miles Teller. Mr. Miles nice. Teller. Like him, hate him, like him, hate him, hate him, then like him again. Miles Teller is kind of a roller coaster of a career. Uh, came out swinging in his first couple of films that he was cast in. And then had some just kind of clunkers. Uh, sometimes performance, sometimes based on the script, uh, sometimes the overall production. But your boy is back. He is trying really hard. I don't know if he changed agents or if he said, listen, I'm not going to do this anymore with uh, with these failures. And he is someone that I never in a million years would have thought that looked like he resembled uh, neither uh, Anthony Edwards nor Melanie Griffith. And here he is, looks like the perfect love child of them <laughs> uh, as he steps in with that incredible mustache and incredible physique that he came up with. Fun fact, Miles, Glenn Powell, and wait for it, Nicholas Holt we're all in the final running for rooster. Yeah. Which makes you go, huh? That's things that make you go. What? Nicholas Holt. They were each flown out individually. They were the final three to Tom Cruise's home, which what an intimidating request and audition. And they were there to discover as Tom Cruise is uh, one of the executive producers on this film as well. Of course, Uh, he, he, they were there to discover, is there enough chemistry between the two main characters? Cause this is the the crutch of the story right here. And Miles went out. Miles had to have studied Anthony Edwards like to the nth degree. As someone who has watched like 150 hours of Anthony Edwards <laughs> footage, I can say confidently that I saw him trying to live up to and be like his dad. Um, e- Anthony Edwards, ER, The Client. Top Gun. Recently, we crashed. He is someone who is not the front man in a lot of things, but when he is, when you see him, he is always the heart, uh, the moral compass of a film, and that's what moral. That's what Miles Teller uh, throws into this role as well, just brilliantly. And there's a couple of very specific lines that there is some expert level study, not only in in uh, in a reference to what the original character is, but a reference into um, the earnesty of those lines too. There's, there's two lines in particular, and this sounds crazy, but there's two lines in particular after they uh, land after uh, at the very near the very end. And they land back on the the whatever you call it, the helicopter, or whatever, where, the aircraft carrier. I'm really good at military. Well, you language. bailed me out a few times tonight, too. So we're just <laughs> it's one of those nights you just got to strap in. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, and so they, they're hopping out. The, the door is lifting and Tom Cruise asks him, are you good? And he says, yeah, I'm good. And when he says that immediately, I'm like, wow, we should have done so much more with that. But <laughs> which is a dumb, really actory thing to say, like, yes, he should have shouted. Yes, I'm good. Maverick, <laughs> <laughs> something to that effect. But really what he's saying is, yeah, like he's exhausted. He's like, yeah. Like he's taking uh, inventory. I'm good. And this is a very Anthony Edwards thing. And it's a very true characteristic of what this, of what this character would be as he's shown from beat one to the end. And he's have had a little bit of, of humility in, in himself too, as he, when he struts into the bar at the very beginning with the, with his, his dad's shirt essentially, and uh, is ready to play. And then he, he kind of gets knocked down a little bit, but then he like gets back up, plays the piano and corrals the crowd. And his, what he realizes is that his true self is not trying to be anybody else, but it's really just relishing in the fact that he can bring people together. That's what he clearly does in this film. And then the very last one, it, it, he says to Tom Cruise, to Maverick, if you will, he says, it's what my dad would do. And this line should sound super cheesy. And it doesn't because he means it with a fiery passion in his eyes that final scene uh with with what they're going to do and then there's that big tom cruise hug i would pay millions of dollars just for a big tom cruise bear hug i just want to say that out (laughs) loud in case tom cruise is listening because it's got to be good have you ever had a really good bear hug for somebody like "Ah, yes like you're so excited for them and he gives it back miles teller gives it back and i think that the chemistry without those two loving one another so much, this movie would not have made it possible. Miles Teller, you rose to the bar. You threw out all of the other criticisms that I think sometimes affect your performances. And I think that you're on the right path. So bravo, you get the scene stealer for this one. Yeah, I think I, I love it because I, I mean, early in his career, I was one of the biggest Miles Teller stands ever. I mean, I was just like all over it. I wanted to be a part of everything he was in. And I feel like his, his 
he is the he, he's like the quintessential understated actor extraordinaire. Like the stuff that you're talking about, those are not like big, high energy, high emotion things that he's doing, but it's really nuanced, understated sorts of things. And I feel like where you where you saw the missteps in his career with things like Fantastic Four, uh, I don't know, Wild it's, Dogs, Wild Dogs for sure, won. War Dogs, War, War dogs. dogs, yeah. I don't want to say divergent because that whole thing was a, d- a dumpster fire, but like <laughs> it's, it's those roles where it felt like he was pushing himself to kind of overact, to over deliver, to, to, to reach this different tier. He thought he had to do that. I, I don't want to like uh, speculate and assume, but that's really what it looked like just from my, my seat. And I feel like the more recent roles that he's choosing where he's starting to kind of revamp is because he's he's back on his craft doing the things that he did so well early on and not trying to push it too hard. He's still putting in as much, probably more effort than he was in those other performances, but he's he's embracing the nuance. He's embracing the micro expressions, the the subtleties, the tonalities, the things that take people to the next level. And I think he's on a really good run. Um, hope he can sustain it because when he's at the top of his game, oh my gosh, he's so good. He, he yeah, has reminder, potential to be so good. Aubrey, Aubrey got to see this with us, and she said at the end of the night, she's like, what's the other movie I'm thinking that Miles Teller is from? And I said, Spectacular Now with Shailene Woodley. And she said, that's the one. He's yeah, really good in that he's one, He's really too. good in that. And he is. And he's a, he's like a real person in that movie. And yes. this is a very real scenario. I feel like Top Gun, they made those characters real, but like you said, what was the verbiage you used? Like the 80s vanity yeah. lens? yeah. It's so perfect. I just want to call that out again. The 80s vanity lens. This one was very much like you could plant this movie really at any time and you say, oh, wow, that's that's real. That's yes. a real person I'm seeing right there. And when he sticks to that path, I think that's when it, what's going to carry him to his next level rather than, like you said, forcing it. Yep. Yep. Come on, Miles Teller. We're all rooting for you, man. You can do it. We, you're showing flashes of greatness and just go for it, man. Just be, be your best self, live your best life. All right, let's move on to the production. Oh my gosh, so many things to talk about. I tell you, trying to narrow it down to a showstopper when there's so much going on from a production perspective is really hard. And um, anyway, we'll have to talk about, if, if any of us leaves something out, I might have to throw a couple of things in there that are worth noting because the elephant in the room is like, there were real jets in this movie and like shooting inside a real jet. So if neither of us talks about that aspect of it, we'll have to go into it a little bit. But um, my showstopper was not the jets themselves, but actually the editing and top gun was nominated for an Academy award for editing back in 1986. And I feel like this movie has a really good shot at doing the same thing. Granted it's early in the year, um, but I felt like the film editing in this was superb. I think the shots that they chose, the way that it was cut together, was really good. And I think, and and this is partially a direction thing too, but there is this thing that they do in all of the scenes. And this, this happened in the original Top Gun. It's happened in thousands of movies throughout the the course of all film history. But in those scenes and sort of like the classroom setting and definitely the scenes where they're flying in the air, there is this, um, there's this kind of like crosstalk dialogue where people, each person is delivering a line that's like, finishing the statement or adding something else. And if you do that wrong, it can sound extremely campy and corny and terrible. It can be like, I don't know. It's, it can be like power Rangers level corny where it's like, we got to do this back. where you it's take like that back right now <laughs> where it's like, what's Maverick doing? Oh, he's doing this, blah, blah, blah. You know, like it can be very, it can be very cheesy, but they, the way that they edited it and the way that they got the right takes and then spliced it all together all of those scenes that were the most cut up were actually the best scenes in the movie, which actually it feels like it's not the case for a lot of action movies. It's like, see a lot of times in action movies, like the more cuts you get, the worse it is. And in this one, it felt like they were chopping things up just right to keep the, keep the energy up without it, you know, falling into quality concerns or, or campiness or weirdness. So um, it's kind of hard to convey into words now that I try to do it, but I really felt like the editing was top notch. I loved the way that all the scenes with the, 
when they were doing, uh, particularly when they were trying to shoot down Maverick and Maverick was trying to shoot them down, those scenes were insanely well edited. And I know because they were using real jets, the amount of footage they had to have had or the amount of takes and everything had to have been insane. So the fact that they went until they got the exact right takes and then put piece that all together, um, those scenes were awesome. That very first scene where he's like your first lesson, you have to shoot me down. Right. Um, and it's like they wager 200 pushups the way that that scene is edited together. And it's probably about a 15 minute set piece is perfect. <laughs> it's like perfectly done. They cut to them, you know, saying lines like, yeah, it should be us out there, but that's goose for you. He's, or that's rooster for you. He, that shows you who he is as a teammate cut right back into the sky, cut to somebody doing pushups. Like, it is phenomenally well done. And it just, it, it made me so happy. I could feel the giddiness. I was like, Ooh, this is such good filmmaking. I'm really enjoying watching it. So for me, it has to be the editing. I was distracted in that sequence because I can barely do 15 consecutive pushups and <laughs> dude, pushups are hard. Let's be honest. I was like 200 consecutive pushups. They're going to die. Their biceps will literally explode there on the asphalt. But I am not a fighter pilot, and nor do I pretend to be one. Yeah, how else do you think they got in shape for that beach volleyball, beach, uh, not volleyball, football yeah, scene? It football, was Football, <laughs> rugby-esque. Yeah. 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 It, was all, it was all those push-ups because they had to do so many takes. That's that's literally all they had to do, I bet. That's it. They said, memorize your lines. You're going to do push-ups for the full, whatever, three months of shooting. <laughs> You're going to fly in planes, and then we might throw you in some other scenes. Yep. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Um, my showstopper really does go to the planes. It really does. Um, specifically it goes to, this is not fair, but it's back to Tom Cruise again. It goes to Tom Cruise's performance in a plane, which of course he's a pilot. He's an actual authorized licensed pilot. So of course he knows, um, you're going to get the most out of him. He has the most flight time, right? Um, a couple of quick things about this, as Cam said, they're all really in those planes. They're not really flying it. They were forbade, forbade, forbidden, forbidden from flying those planes. Um, especially Tom Cruise <laughs> to not take the, take the wheel, but they're all really in those planes. They're really taking on those G forces. They had to do their own camera work. They had to set up their own shots with the camera because they're, it's just them in the cockpit and they had to do their own makeup uh, touch-ups. So while they're in the plane, you're getting all these G's, your face is going everywhere. You might have, you know, tears pouring down your eyes for whatever scene, whether it's intentional or not. Um, you might have slobber from your face. Who knows? You know, they had to fix their hair. They fixed their makeup there in the cockpit, bring their footage down and then take it. And then if it was wrong, they'd go right back up in the air. So crazy stuff. What I want to talk about specifically is when Tom Cruise rolls in, uh, against the rules when John Hamm has been appointed as the new uh, instructor and he and Tom Cruise just hijacks that jet and rolls in and tries to do the mission to prove to them that it's possible to prove to his students it's the rocking back and forth for me the left the right the left the right and the grunting and as soon as it starts happening you're like what is he doing and then you're thinking oh my gosh He's going to die in that plane while we're going to watch Tom Cruise die in this particular stunt, which is what you think every movie you see. And it goes left and he's like, just these really authentic grunts that you would just normally do. He's not, he's not, um, he's not exaggerating them. He's not putting on a show. He's literally just flying that plane and like really just going for it. And I just thought the authenticity of that was incredible and just superbly engaging. I've never seen anything like that. When you see movies with jets, again, even if the actors are really in the planes and they're really being flown in them, I've never seen someone who would take a risk like that. It's not very flashy. Tom Cruise grunting authentically is not a very, like, wow, that's handsome. <laughs> you know, It doesn't exude um, like what our, our, um, our ideas are of masculinity or whatever you want, but he's just <clears throat> like his body's like slamming against the side of the cockpit. It's like incredible. And I just thought that that, because it was such a long scene, we see the full two and a half minutes, like uncut of him just going left, right, left, right. I just thought that was just really, really 
incredible to see and really was the heart uh, of what perpetuated the rest of the film, which I had no idea that we would have so much action and it really just gave us the first taste of it for the rest of the film. Yeah, I mean, definitely. There are so many scenes you can point to and so many different visual things that they did that as you were watching it, you're going, this is insane filmmaking because it's real. You know, I think anybody else does this movie or any other group of people does this movie and it's heavily green screened, heavily CGI'd and who could blame them? I mean, the, the doing something like this is, has to be incredibly daunting and you know, they're flying, they've got military pilots flying military vehicles. You know, they're working with the department of defense entertainment division to get this film made. Um, It's, it's, preposterous what they did in this movie but because of it the 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 payoff oh my gosh the shots that you get in the plane of the planes um the the maneuvers they're doing everything totally insane and you as you're watching it you're going this is nuts like this is next level stuff and this is something that i'm going to remember for a long time and it just really sticks with you and we did not see it in imax because there isn't an imax near us but the whole thing is shot in imax um there's one across the river and i'm going to my earliest convenience because i just feel like this is something that has to be seen in imax uh, the sound the the visuals everything have to be so much more enhanced and i want it because the visuals in the format that we saw it in were already insane and i cannot imagine what it looks like in that format Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Let's move into director's shoes. Um, Oh, but the other thing I wanted to say about the planes, because I think people will hear like, there was a lot of talk and I got duped by this too, of people saying they're flying the planes, they're flying the planes um, prior to the movie coming out. And I was like, that is nuts. I cannot believe they're doing that. And I had a really hard time wrapping my head around it. Well, they're not. And so whenever people hear that they're not flying the planes, they still should not discount what happened because you're talking about pulling insane G forces, you know, eight G's, right? So like if you weigh 200 pounds, eight G's makes you weigh 1600 pounds, right? Oh my gosh. Um, in some instances, they're in planes pulling that stuff. That is hardcore. People were puking their guts out in these planes. And Tom, Tom Cruise personally wrote a month long training program for these guys and was coaching them on it throughout the whole thing. This was intense. Like this is not happening in normal filmmaking. So just because they weren't flying fighter jets, which now that I say it out loud is like, how did anyone believe that that was the case? But I, I definitely got got by that for sure. Um, even though they're not doing that, it's still an insane feat what they were able to pull off here. Yeah. I'm, they might as well. Their hands weren't at the controls, but they experienced every other yes. piece of it. They did the barrel rolls. They went, they flew upside down. They flew sideways. They took every single aerial attack that was given to them. Yeah. Uh, and just had to, had to go with the flow uh, to give you an example. The very first roller coaster I rode the Mamba at world of fun in Kansas city has a two G drop. It's the first drop. And man, that will, that will blow your hair back for sure. Yeah. The fact that they're pulling eight G's, these actors who have <laughs> before this never done anything like this. I mean, applause. Yeah. I mean, congratulations. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> That's it's absolutely insane. a trophy for you all. It's insane. All right, let's move into director shoes and talk about things we would have changed or notes we would have had for this movie. My director shoes is really simple. The whole Jennifer Connelly Penny Benjamin thing is totally unnecessary. I feel like, first of all, for, for historical context, the, the original love interest in the first movie is played by Kelly McGillis. She is not recast in this movie, but they they choose to go a route of giving Tom Cruise a love interest anyway and going with a character who is mentioned in the first movie, like, oh, hey, remember when you had, you know, we're dating the Admiral's daughter, Penny Benjamin, uh, but she's never seen in the movie. They cast Jennifer Connelly in a role that of a character that was mentioned but was never seen in the original film and, and try to build all this history between them. So that just at face, at, like at face value, that is weird. I feel like that is a weird choice to make. And as soon as she came on screen and they started that whole thing, like talking about Penny Benjamin, I had watched Top Gun two days prior to refresh. Um, and so I was familiar with that, but I was like, man, what a strange decision that is to make. But 
I'm going to trust it. I'm going to see how it plays out throughout the whole thing. And I felt like the whole time it added nothing to the story. I felt like the main emotional um, epicenter of the movie was the rooster goose maverick thing and that whole thing. And it was enough. It was enough. Like that was the only story that needed to be told. And I don't feel like Jennifer Connelly's character, no knock on her. I just don't feel like that character made any sense within the lens of the movie. And it frankly kind of sucks that like after you've had this awesome emotional high coming off of the completed mission, everything's done, whatever you get to this final scene of like Tom Cruise working on his plane with rooster, uh, miles teller. And then it's like for the final scene, let's show Penny Benjamin showing up. And I'm like, I don't care about this. Like this is a total throw. I just do not care. Um, I don't, I don't know why they needed this. I don't know why they thought they needed it. I don't know why they felt like he needed a love interest. I felt like the story of like the war hardened, uh, Maverick was just so good and so rich and had so many layers to it on its own that I felt like throwing in a love interest and the fact that it's like super weird that it's not Kelly McGillis's character. It just distracted from it. Um, a lot. And, I felt like it was just way, way overdone and totally unnecessary, but that's, that's my take. Yeah, I agree. I echo that. That's part of mine as well. I mean, it's, it gives Jennifer Connelly such a disservice because she is actually an incredible actor Yes, and here she is just fulfilling a role to motivate uh, Tom Cruise's character, which again was not in the original film visually. It was strictly um, just by, by passing by expository dialogue. So I think it's I think it was a huge miss. And then my other item for my director's shoes is that there were all of these moments that of course had to because it's a sequel, right? It had to pay homage to the original. And in the first quarter of that movie, they mostly did not work. It ties also heavily into Jennifer Connelly because you're like, wait a second. Is she Kelly McGillis's character? No, that house looks just like hers, but it's not quite. But he does jump out of a window. I've seen that before. <laughs> like there's all these allusions to it, but that is such a confusing piece to it. And he's he's saying hello, hello to people that you didn't see in the past. Like that was so strange. The only, There's just a couple of items that work well. Obviously the Val Kilmer scene works well uh, as the only two returning characters uh, and of course, the montage of of Tom Cruise looking back at his wall of goose and his wall of rooster and, and watching rooster's success through the ranks. That part works really well, practically brings you to tears. Um, but any other um, homage or callback to the original, it almost falls short. It's, it's too forced because the biggest part of the story is about moving forward, uh, coping with what's happened to you, making choices to rectify issues that you've done before and live your life. Let go as Val, as Val Comer Iceman says. So I think that those setbacks were really distracting the first quarter of the movie, but thank goodness it really just turned a corner and really skyrocketed to a new level. <laughs> oh, 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 good one. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that I was, I was very surprised that in a, a, specifically in the first half of the movie, they focus so much around that bar. And I'm like, yeah, guys, we don't care. Like, like <laughs> sure. There's a nostalgia factor for people who were around when the first movie came out and were a part of the hype wave. I, I was not, so I can't really speak to that. So I'm sure to those people, maybe that is part of the experience and they just feel that. And that's why Tom Cruise and Joseph Kaczynski and Jerry Bruckheimer felt like this has to be, in the movie, but I, I agree. I feel like anything that dealt with like the town, yes. <laughs> you know, like Fighterland yes. USA or whatever they call it. I can't remember. Um, it, and, and the townies and everything, like, it's just totally unnecessary. And it was, it felt like such a throwaway thing to give him a love interest in this movie. Instead of just like, I think there is a way to reference back to the Kelly McGillis character you know, and talk and address that and be like, okay, well, where, you know, where is Charlie? You know, why, why isn't she in this movie? And there's a way to do that tactfully, but 
by doing the Jennifer Connelly, Penny Benjamin thing, you're like drawing all this unnecessary attention to it without addressing it. And then it's just like bizarre. It's a really bizarre thing. And it's such a weird drawback in a movie where everything else was so thoughtful. Like, you know what I mean? Like they, so hot take alert coming here, but I did not grow up with the Top Gun movie because it came out before my time. Um, that's not me being like, look how young I am. It's just like, it generally, like I was not around for it. So I view that movie and I go, this is weird. <laughs> you know, like the original Top Gun is weird. It's almost like a, it's like a two hour commercial for nothing. I don't know. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's like loud music, uh, really intense like romantic scenes with crazy music really intense beach volleyball scene like there's all these really weird things motorcycles and you know fighter pilots and cars like there's all this stuff it's just like and then sensory overload out of nowhere they kill anthony edwards like for real (laughs) yeah and you're like oh we got real and then it's like no we didn't get real tom cruise doesn't really care that much about it it is and I'm oversimplifying it, but that movie is very flawed and has, in my opinion, not aged well at all. And I feel like if you weren't around at the time that that movie came out, you could never appreciate it in the way that people do. You know, it does have a legendary status because of what it represented in the mid eighties, what it was. But to me, it's just kind of locked in that age. So what they did in this movie was call back to the things that were, important and the stuff that they could do like the intro sequence including danger zone including some of the music um you know they called back to some of that stuff but a lot of the stuff that really holds that movie back and keeps it from being really good in comparison with modern cinema they cut out and they were really thoughtful about how they did it but then there was all this like towny stuff that they should have cut out and they weren't really thoughtful about and i was like man you were so thoughtful about everything else why like why why make this mistake anyway I'm kind of getting into my final thoughts and scores, so I'm just going to dive headlong into it. I think Top Gun Maverick, um, I I mean, it way overachieves. I feel like I was surprised by how good of a sequel they were able to make out of this movie and with these characters. I felt like the characters that, you know, the character specifically of Pete Mitchell, Tom Cruise's character that was able to return, the way that they enhanced that character without anything without making it feel disingenuous in comparison with the original character was so masterful and it like a good sequel should it enhanced the first movie to where you can go back and watch that now. And some of the things that you look at and you go, ah, that's kind of a flaw. He's kind of one dimensional. It now makes sense with the context of the new movie. And that is really impressive. Obviously the production and technical side of things is, insane what they were able to pull off with the real jets the editing that was my showstopper um the the acting of all the different supporting cast members everybody that was in that top gun class getting trained um also something i didn't call out the fact that tom cruise literally trained these people for how to fly made that relationship click in such a natural way because it literally was like all of those people when they're in the class looking up at him as a mentor, that he really was a mentor to them. Like he was actually training them in real life. So that that is next level. There are so many things that enhance this film and make it such an incredible watch. But the main thing and the simplest thing to take away is that this movie is just so freaking fun to watch. It is so fun. It is heart pounding. It is fast. Um but not too fast, you know, they, they take extreme care. The story is really heartfelt and rich. The characters are excellent, almost every single one of them. Um, they build up to just an epic final third of the movie. Um, really cool stuff that they were able to do. And it just, this movie feels totally necessary and really well done. So for me, I'm giving Top Gun Maverick a 9.0 out of 10, flat 9.0. Um, I thought it was excellent. They were so close to having a perfect movie on their hands. I mean, so close. But because of the things that they did so well, like above and beyond what anybody else has been able to accomplish technologically, um, it helps forgive some of the sins that we we mentioned in Director's Shoes. So 9.0 out of 10, 
Top Gun Maverick. That's my score. Beautiful. Well, listen closely, ladies and gents, as I guide you into the danger zone of my final thoughts. Just keep going. I've got three minutes of talking and I want you to do that the whole time. (laughs) By the end of it, I'm like... (sighs) (laughs) Oh, and then we cut back to both of us and you're just out of picture, out of frame, just passed out. (laughs) Just dead. (laughs) This movie is fun. What a great way to put it because if aliens came down and said, I want you to tell me what happened in every decade and you had to give them a movie like this is the time capsule you would give them for the 80s top gun maverick saint elmo's fire the brat pack movies um and you could do that with with every genre i feel that when we talk about movies that we're nostalgic against as millennials we are like oh man I really love that DCOM movie, Alley Cat Strike. What a banger. It was so good. Or Brink or, uh, or or whatever it might be. And you're like, but I know it's like not actually good, but it's really fun, right? And that's what I feel like when you were, when some people, not all, when some people watched the original Maverick, I think they it just like locked it in for them. And they said, there's no greater film. I mean, you have you have the motorcycles, you have the jets, you have the volleyball. So we have to we have to rearrange our expectations. Like, does do those things make a movie bad? Absolutely not. But does it make it a great film? That's subjective, and that's why this is always always so much fun. But does it me, make me criticize you for liking that movie? No. Have fun with it, unless it's a really bad movie like The Kitchen. Have you guys seen that? We've reviewed it a long time Ouch. ago. <laughs> I just want to throw that under the bus anytime I can. But this one, truly fun, truly insightful, truly a well-done, well-constructed film, bringing back characters that everyone loves and bringing it to a new generation. Lots of young people in our theater, sometimes too young. We saw some like four-year-olds in the theater. Weird. Maybe too young for a PG-13 movie at 9.30 at night on a Wednesday. <laughs> so I just want to say that Thank you, Tom Cruise, for bringing this back to life. Thank you, Joseph Kaczynski, which sounds a lot like John Krasinski. You got to change your name. I think this will stand the test of time throughout any decade. 8.4, what? (laughs) (laughs) 8.4 out of 10 kernels for me. It's so good that it gets a score, a new score that was just invented um, somewhere. You know, 8.4 is like a new tier. I was um, thinking of Claire Foy, and I was like, would she like this movie? 8.4. yes. Yeah. I am surprised. I felt like you were going to go, I, th- I thought you were going to go straight to the moon with this one. So maybe I don't know you as well as I thought I did, but I'm I'm pleasantly surprised. Did you, th- wait, straight to the moon, like you thought I was going to give it like way up there, like 10 out of 10? No, course? no, not a 10, but I, I thought, I was guessing 9.5. I was oh, guessing 9.5. Okay. I was. Yeah. Um, my, my score is heavily influenced on how much I was just absolutely bored in those opening scenes at yeah. the bar. Yeah, and that's fair. Like you said, lots of time at the bar, long, open, empty noise scenes. Like I'm going to talk pause, pause. pause yeah. Pause. Yes. I'm going to talk pause, 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 pause. That, that stuff drives me crazy unless there's a real built up tension with the characters, which in the, this case it wasn't. There so wasn't, yeah. um, I, I originally was going to give it a lower score. And, wow. Uh, it, yeah, uh, no, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. Um, it is one of those things where it's like the lows are low and the highs are really, really high, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's so hard to balance. It's almost better when it's like the highs are really high and the lows are like, eh, you know, there are some blips. Or, or the other way around where the lows are like crazy low and they're, yeah. it's like, eh. But, but those high-octane scenes oh were so... Oh, my gosh. It's not just the fact that it was just really well-shot action. It was... The whole production, all yes. together, all parts of it, it it came together, yes. and it, it didn't seem forced when all those pieces came together. The story just really built up to it and played out, and it delivered. Yeah, do you get what I'm talking about when I say, like, they're taking turns saying lines, and, like, each person is delivering, like, one line, and it's it's usually, it's, like, all the little student pilots, like, each giving a take on something, I don't know how they were able to do that where it felt just the right amount of campy for the genre, but not too much. It like, it it was so well balanced where it was like, it got you excited because you're like, Oh yeah, this is good action movie stuff right now. Like this is, this is peak. 
Um, it's hard I to explain. Think, I think it does come back to the editing because I think 80s editing, they would say their line, kind of shake their head. Yes, yes. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> and is, like stay on that character and every character would get a reaction to the the jab, the joke that they got. But in this one, it was like, I'm saying my line and we're cutting to the We're next getting person. out of there. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. And, and that's why I was like, well, that's more of a director thing, but it, it is, it's the editing. I feel like that's how it all comes together. So it's we'll the bend see. And snap. It's the legally blonde bend and snap and just get out of there. <laughs> get out of there. I I I will be interested to see um what the what the awards reaction is for this movie because I feel like it will garner some technical achievement awards almost certainly. Um I mean you could argue cinematography just for what they were able to do sure. with cameras in those in those cockpits, but there is a lot there and I wonder if it's a dark horse. I really do feel that. Like I wonder depending on how the rest of the slate and I know that it on paper is a very competitive year for awards, but I just wonder what it's going to look like when it all comes down. I would, I would not be surprised to see it show up um, certainly in the technical categories, but maybe, I don't know, maybe direction, maybe, you know, like like, there's a chance that it could really make a splash. So we'll see how it goes. But that's our review of Top Gun Maverick. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you haven't seen the movie, encourage you to do it. At the very least, like, really good summer movie. I mean, oh, my gosh. We saw it on a Tuesday night. Summer break is in full swing. All the high school students are there. Um, it, it felt like a summer movie. It had all the right right things for that. Um, just great vibes. Good popcorn movie. Loud, fun, funny um, throughout. So, at the very least, make sure you go check it out for that. And we have much more summer movie content coming your way. Jurassic World. Um, we've got Lightyear. I mean, there's tons of huge things that are coming down the pike. We're very excited about. Indeed, but, indeed. And it's not for certain yet, uh-huh. folks. But there might be a special episode, a special bonus episode yep. of Top Gun with a special guest. That's right. Could we be. might have a special guest in a special guest chair. Yeah. Stay tuned. And it might be Tom Cruise. I'm not saying that it is. I'm saying it might be. It could be. He Tom invited Cruise. us to his house as well, like <laughs> he did with Miles and Glenn. Yes. And we will be filming at <laughs> Tom Cruise's <laughs> mansion. Yes. That's, yeah. That's, well, wait, you let the cat out of the bag, Kirk. But oh, here we are. I shouldn't have. But I will say that for next week, we are hoping that our review will be of Jurassic world dominion. We are trying to secure tickets to a, or passes to an advanced screening of that. If that's the case, we'll do the review. We'll do it spoiler free so that you guys know going into it, what our thoughts were just like the old days, kicking it old school. That is our goal, but we'll keep you posted if, if that comes together or not. And if not, we'll find something else to review. Who knows? Right. 2022 is the year of surprises from it, Kirk and Cam. It definitely is. It definitely we're is. We're just going to keep switching it up we're just twisting leaning it into up. it i like it you don't know what we're gonna do next we don't know what we're gonna do next that's what i like um that's so right. <laughs> anyway thanks for sticking with us on all that thank you for listening to this review make sure you like subscribe comment whatever you need to do to help uh be a part of the community we want to be we want you to be a part we want to talk to you about these movies we're always around best way to reach us is on discord or also you know facebook comment sections we're on there every day checking in um let us know. Hit us up. We want to talk. Uh, want to hear your thoughts on Top Gun Maverick and anything else you've seen recently, new or old. But until next time, want to give a special thanks to our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, as well as the band Rhetoric, who created our original music. Catch them on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your music. And we will talk to you guys next week. Talk to you then. Talk to you then.